Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Starbucks from up the street. Uh, today is Friday, July something. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm here with special celebrity guest, um, Sassy Outwater. It's July 26th because it's three days after my wedding anniversary. That's the only reason oh, I know what okay. day of the year it is. Yeah, I, I've reached the uh, the place of no time for the conference. If it wasn't my anniversary, I would have no clue what day it was, what year it was, what planet we were on. <laughs> and also special celebrity guest, Ferdinand. Yes. <laughs> who is snuffling the microphone. Thank you. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about... Ferdinand and why he's here in a hotel room at a conference. Well, I would, except I'm getting doggy kisses. Oh, well, sorry. I'll, I can fill in. <laughs> Ferdie is a black Labrador, six-year-old guide dog who is currently resting his head in my lap for ear scratches and head rubs. And he and I have been partners for five years. He's my fourth guide dog, and he comes from Guide Dogs for the Blind of San Rafael, California. And if you want to find out more information about guide dogs, you can visit www.guidedogs.com. Oh, so she had a practiced spiel there. Um, I mean, <laughs> gotta give the elevator pitch on the dog. It's, you know, yes. What yes. I do. Yes. It's, it's so funny to get on the elevator with you and, and watch the other people because everybody's just always so delighted to see a dog. You know, it's like, oh, look, a dog is here with us. You know, the world must be all right. <laughs> He's kind of a celebrity. He is. So I've got conference voice now. <clears throat> Too much talking and last night singing along with the dancing at the Harlequin party. <laughs> so where are you going? Um, away. Go away. <laughs> He's he says nobody's asking questions. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was very interested in the microphone when I got it out, though. So he says it's because he's a assistant audio engineer as well because <laughs> that's just one of the many things you do right mm -hmm. I do audio production and acoustics and then I write romance and then I run a nonprofit <laughs> my life is never boring <laughs> so you you run the nonprofit mm-hmm I am the executive <clears throat> director of the Massachusetts Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired or MAVV which was started by Helen Keller uh, in a group of her peers in 1903. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and um, so I am the director of that, and um, that has, I've been doing that for two years now, so it keeps me very, very busy. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> overheard part of your conference call yesterday with the folks, and they sounded so I mean, because I, I had it out of context, but it was mm -hmm. funny because they were both like, oh, that's so helpful. That's such a great way to put it. We never thought of that. <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, that's my job. <laughs> yeah. I, when you talk, a lot of what I do is talking to outside companies about disability advocacy and policy and strategy. And, um, you know, a lot of people who even work in the disability field, um, I'm blind, by the way, if people didn't know that. Oh, yeah, we, we might have forgotten. <laughs> well, I have a guide dog, so maybe it's obvious. I don't know. It's it's too early in the morning, and my coffee hasn't kicked in. So Well, but, but people also have service dogs for other reasons. Yes. So, But, um, you know, even when you work in this field, sometimes lived experience is a whole different thing, and you get a perspective that most people don't have, and then you get to use your education, academics, licensure, and, and expertise to really 
drive that point in a way that other people can't or won't. So it's, you know, we were talking about diversity and inclusion and access at RWA. And, you know, one of the, the biggest pieces that, that we talk about is that people have to be able to lead their own experiences and share their own point of view without having somebody else's, you know, suppositions come and water it down a little bit. And that's how you affect policy and change and really make inclusion, not just a cherry on top, but, you know, part of the, the whole structure of the organization or the, the thing that you're working with. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, to sort of, um, <clears throat> what like embed it in the infrastructure yeah. instead of making it be like a ramp you add on the building or something. Yeah, diversity and inclusion. Inclusion isn't just a, a thing that you do, it is the way that you think. It is kind of the, the, I always compare inclusion to the streets on which you travel, the streets down which you wrote, your mind will go. Oh. Um, because it's really about, it's not just bringing people to the table, it's about giving them a space and thinking about what they are bringing to the table. My blindness isn't a thing to be accommodated, it's not a problem, it's not a thing I have to overcome, it is a skill set. It is a talent. It can be a pain in the ass some days, but it also is an opportunity and um, an ability. And I don't say ability to discount the word disability. I am disabled. Hashtag say the word. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, it really is a unique set of skills that come from having to live in the world with vision loss um, that you develop. Yeah, that's a... <clears throat> We were talking about that some on the world building panel that you attended yesterday, you know, and talking about uh, it, it's aggravating. I I get aggravated on your behalf, which isn't fair because it's like, well, you you get to deal with all the aggravation. I get to deal with it for a couple minutes when I hear about stuff. But you know, you getting pushback on a book that has like too much disability. Yeah, and I think it's true for any kind of diversity or inclusion. I mean, like. There's a picture of Ursula up in my office at home. Um, the the cover of Talent of the Hawk. You know that it's yes. it's up. It is my favorite Jeffy Kenning book. Um, Ursula is my favorite Jeffy character, and it because I you know as as you guys were talking about at the panel, I see me and her. I see her story and me in that she faced down such tremendous odds to be a warrior, to be female, to be trying to support her family while facing down incredible odds and trying to keep peace while also fight <laughs> um, is, is tough. And, and uh, a friend of mine said something you know, yesterday, and, and she was talking about struggling and fighting. And she said, you know, to, to engage in a struggle is, is one thing, um, but to be afflicted by struggle is something completely different. One is good for you and one is bad for you. Mm. And whenever I kind of think of Ursula or read her book, she's where I go when I've just hit my wall and I'm just fighting angry. I always uh, use the hashtag Mount St. Sassy. <laughs> I hit my limit and I'm going to go volcanic on an issue around access or inclusion. And I can't take any more. I go back to Ursula and I, I reread her book. Um, just like I reread Pride and Prejudice and Lizzie Bennett because I think they're both women who face down tremendous marginalization and sexism and oppression and still managed to figure out what they were fighting for and not be afflicted by the fight 
but be inspired by the fight. That's amazing. And also, I want you all to notice that Sassy just mentioned my book in the same breath as Jane Austen. So I did. <laughs> we have that on record. <laughs> I have my, my, my heroes and my heroines, not mine as in me personally, but the ones that I turn to for inspiration in life decorate the walls of my office. So I have Talia, Harold Talia from Mercedes Lackey. Oh, I love her. She is my favorite book character of all time. Hands down, bar none. Uh, then I have Kilachandra from Anne McCaffrey. Crystal Singer. Yep. Uh, she is my second, or maybe tied for first favorite. Uh, well, and she she's a singer, so you would have that in common with her too, right? She's an arrogant bitch who knows how <laughs> to just fall in love with life and go after what she wants and, and nothing gets in her way. She doesn't mind being a bitch because that's what her profession makes her into and she's she wants to do her profession. Um, but she doesn't, you know, to quote the Hailstorm song, you call me a bitch like it's a bad thing. No, <laughs> it's not. Um, you know, I have a... Uh, my friend Kelly Robson, who's on the Cephalo board with me, and I chat with her online most days. And I was complaining about something, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so cranky today. And she said, you know, you don't have to apologize for being cranky. <laughs> and, and that was a liberating thing because, you know, there is that whole thing, partly by being women, too, you know, where we're like, you know, supposed to be cheerful, supposed to be nice. And for her to tell me, you know, it's all right to be cranky about a thing. I have a colleague that I work with and respect tremendously, and he says this, and my husband also says it. They say, I don't want apologies. I want change. Yeah. So you can apologize, but that doesn't change it. Right. So if you're cranky about something, complain all you want. Get mad. You know, that's where change comes from. Change doesn't come from flinching back and saying, oh, I'm sorry. I'm in such a bad mood. That changes you. That doesn't change the problem that puts you there. That's a great way so to look like, at go it. Go to the root of the problem and change that rather than... Um, Remove the source of the cranky. Yeah, rather than apologizing for you being the cranky because something else did something to you. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. So what do you hope to accomplish at the conference? <sighs> Finding an agent or an editor and getting these books off my desk would be great. <laughs> um, and then there's that. That's the, the tangible goal. But the more immediate goal is that the work that I do has a high rate of burnout. It's really hard to, to advocate to advocate and to be dealing with people's livelihoods and lives and laws and everybody just doesn't get how blind people fit into the broader context of society or how older adults fit into the broader context of society. So I'm always bashing my head against walls and trying to figure out how to get through and it can really suck you dry. And this is my well. Like the 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 romance community for the past 10 years has been where I go to plug in and get recharged and re-energized and revitalized and feel, even though that we have our inclusion problems in the romance community, there's enough around here that just get me and allow me to belong because I belong. It's not even theirs to allow or disallow. They just include because of the people that they are and the books that they write and the stories that they tell. And I feel like this is kind of where I come regularly to just feel love and my family. And, and I don't know how better to describe it. The romance community has always been like a family to me. So that, I think you <clears throat> described it very well. <laughs> I, I have, I've been hearing that theme 
Um, I talked to a couple of people yesterday, uh, Chudney Thomas and um, Linda Eicher. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know either of them. <clears throat> you introduced but, me to Chudney, but I haven't met Linda now. Linda um, wrote, she's been writing for Karina with me, oh, nice. um, like from the beginning. So mm -hmm. that was how I know Linda, um, writing erotic. And um, I was talking, you know, sort of having the, you always start the conversation with how are you? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you doing? And at a conference like this, a professional conference, that's a, a more meaningful question than it might be on other times because it means like, how's your career going? How's, you know, how's all that? And people will give you thoughtful answers. And both of them gave me kind of, um, they were like, oh, I haven't been writing. Things have not been going well. I'm in a real down cycle. And and then both said, but I'm really glad I came to the conference because now I'm, I'm back in my tribe and I just needed to be back in the tribe and, and feel, now I'm feeling better about things. I think the world has been really hard on all of us this year. It's, it's just been a really tough place to make an existence. I'm a sci-fi writer, so I always think of other worlds and other places and escapes. And this planet has been a really tough one to live on this year. Yeah, and it is. So it weighs on you, and it sucks you dry. And then, you know, the work that we do, the things that we do, the controversy facing our industry, the constant pushback on us as an industry and then as individuals, and the time of reckoning that we're sitting in dealing with diversity and inclusion, I think it's just really been a, a tough year on all of us. And so I almost, I knew how much I needed this. So when you pushed me to show up and, and be here and offered to roommate with me, <laughs> it kind of, my soul instantly knew you've got to go do this. You've got to give yourself something back for all the, the year that you just had. And so this was kind of my saying to myself, you know what? Everybody talks about self-care being bath bomb and, you know, sitting with a glass of wine. Up. Right. So <laughs> I go to a freaking RWA conference and sit in a class about tropes from Damon's Wayne. That is, that is my self-care. That is my bubble bath. That is how my brain finds its peace and finds its, its ability to put all of this bullshit down that we're facing. Um, and more importantly, to put it down for a second so that it can problem solve its way through it and pick it back up with an idea of how to deal with some of it or address it in stories or counteract it with good things. So. That, that's coming back around to that same thing, you know, sort of refilling the well so that you can then go remove the source of the cranky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, uh, my entire life, my work, my marriage, everything, everything will thank me for being <laughs> because I will be a much nicer person. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. Well, and you had mentioned, too, that it was funny because I reached out to you and said, hey, I think you should come to conference, and that Damon Swade reached out to you at about the same time. And yeah. It's funny how the universe works that way, like poke, poke. You just get taps on the shoulders that remind you. When, you know, like when your family, you know, comes and checks on you because you haven't showed up to Sunday dinner, like the romance community really, <laughs> once you are in the family, they really do tap on your shoulder and go, how you doing? Where are you? Get back here. <laughs> you don't get to go off and, and just do your own thing. You have parents to report to. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen you in months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I got the, the taps on the shoulders from the mentors. I have you know, a few mentors that I really consider to be my, my biggest mentors who have started pushing me 10 years ago or along the journey and, and never quit. And when all three of you 
boom, boom, boom. Send me a tap on the shoulder of some sort and say, get your ass to that conference. What are you doing? Where's your head in the romance game? Are you still going to publish or not? Like, if you're going to do this, go fucking put in the work. Don't, don't sit here and sidestep or excuse the fact that you want this, but you've got other stuff on your plate. Life is short. So yeah, you have other stuff on your plate, but if this is the most important thing to you, you damn well will put the other stuff down and, and go do this thing because you love it that much. So right. it's what got me back here. <laughs> That's great. Well, and it's, um, you know, it's a tough business and it, it does take that perseverance and you, you do have to just keep working and working and working at it. We were sitting outside, I'm disclosing this for everybody, we were sitting outside the other night with a group of, of aspiring authors and we were all complimenting Jeffy on your self-discipline and you were saying it doesn't happen overnight. You don't just show up like that or you didn't just show up that self-discipline. You had to teach yourself how to put button share and fingers to keys and, and turn out the work yes. that much. Yes, that, that's exactly right. And it, it did take me years and years and years. And, and I continually refine. I mean, that's part of the reason that I track things on, on spreadsheets and I make my charts and I'm always looking at my own productivity and how it waxes and wanes and what I can do to... Um, what you're laughing? She's making this face because and I have the image of the moon now. Jeffy Kennedy is the moon <laughs> waxing. And I am. I am the moon. I'm the goddess of the moon <laughs> and of the spreadsheets. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is something that I think that's you. Know, <clears throat> excuse me. I really have conference voices. Novel. <laughs> um, you know, last week at San Diego Comic Con, and I was you know, had that good girl time with Grace Draven and we were talking about that and, uh, you know, and the whole thing about like trying to build a wall around your writing time yeah. and how you have to train the people in around you, you know, the people who love you. So, so it's even more difficult because you have to teach them not to come talk to you and you have to teach them that you can't stop what you're doing for just a moment to help right. them. Right. And, and it's a it's a really true thing that like as soon as you establish a new rule, as soon as you say, okay, I'm going to be writing from seven to nine in the morning, and you cannot talk to me or have anything from me, then, then like the very next day, something will come up. Yeah. You know, that is a great way to predict that you will have some life or death crisis. Yes, in your life. <laughs> but and that's why it's partly a process of of constant refinement because you have to. It's like okay, emergency came up. That doesn't mean I'm going to change this plan. I'm, you have to keep, like, you know, redoing it every single day. For me, because I spend so much time either, like, my work schedule, running a nonprofit, you never know where you're going to be and when you're going to be from day to day. It all changes. So, like, the biggest thing for me has been, what device do I want to, you know, write with? Do I want to write in Braille, on a Braille display? Do I want to write on an iPad? Do I want to just take a laptop with me everywhere? Do I want to just use my phone to do all the editing? Do I want to use if what piece of technology is going to go with me and stick closest to me so that when I get that urge to sprint or write, it just can happen. I can just pull it out and write. My first book really just came together while I was on buses, um, on airplanes and tour buses and traveling around L.A., commuting to and from work. And, you know, I can't remember how many chapters, but a good portion of them fell out of my head and onto my my uh, braille display while I was sitting on a subway <laughs> in, in LA. 
time, that's when I, I do my best work is when I'm just kind of going somewhere, you know. So my writing time really isn't something where I go isolate myself or it tends to be those times where I'm in between other things so that I can cool off from those things and, and suddenly my brain just has this idea and it goes. I, I really write in sprints. Oh, that's cool so, though. It's weird. It's very it's, it's not. It's it's your you know my first rule is always find out what your process is, own it, and then it's that or this tiny little bookstore in Cambridge called Porter Square Books. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, there's a little cafe in front. That is my favorite haunt on planet Earth. So I go to the cafe, I get my tea, and then there's this table in the back, and I just go hide out there and write and write and write and write. And I just saw that they have a writer in residence program opening. I'm going to try to apply for it. Oh, good. That'd be cool. <laughs> it is just kind of my my spot. I own it. I claim it. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that they sell upfront socks with very snarky phrases and cuss words on them. Oh, <laughs> that's great. Do you do much voice dictation when you write? No, I, I mostly uh, type. Um, voice dictation makes me too mad at the technology and kicks me out of the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I ask partly because so many people um, are liking voice dictation. A lot of people do. I write best when I'm brailing. Um, Honestly, like when I use my braille display, my fingers just fly because it's my quote unquote first language. I'm going to hand you the phone and the microphone for a second because I think I heard someone at the door. Oops. There we go. Sorry if you're hearing fuzzies. There we go. Sorry. I like threw it in our lap. I've just got to check the door here. For those who don't know, it's Rita Day, so we're getting beautified. Yes. We're the staging location for a couple of people to change into Rita dresses. <laughs> yep. Got it. Yep. She, she's so much better than I am because she's like a real audio engineer. My uh, regular listeners are used to me like getting, you know, dropping the microphone. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm not the professional. Although um, Lindsay Emery was said that she recommended the podcast mine yesterday nice. and the uh, seminar because she and Sarah McLean were doing it and she said Sarah McLean was just going on and on about you know like you need to do this and this and you have to have guests and you have to you know all of the really high end stuff and Lindsay Emery is like no oh, Jenny Kennedy does it on her phone and it's very <laughs> informal and you don't have to go bananas yeah everybody kind of is all over the place I think everybody has kind of started shifting away from blogs to, to podcasts because it just feels more natural more organic more fun to just sit with somebody and, and talk it out and, yeah. uh, and it's it's faster for me than writing oh, a blog yeah. post yeah um, yeah so you know like we're at my nonprofit. we're doing a, a podcast from somebody who is he's a harvard business school professor and he's in the process of going through vision loss he has a disease called retinitis pigmentosa which means he's losing his vision as an adult oh um and so, you know, he's this world-traveling, busy guy, and he now he's got to figure out how to keep being a world-traveling, busy guy as he's going blind. So he's talking to other blind people each week about how they dealt with it, how they're doing it, what they're doing. Mm. And it's just really fun to, to watch that whole thing come together and see him finding his own journey through listening and hearing the experiences of others. That's awesome. It's fun. It's going to be called Dangerous Vision. We're very excited. I like it. I yes, like I'm it. shamelessly pimping things on your behalf. No, that, that, that's what we're here for. That's that's what that's very on brand for Chefe's first <laughs> cup of coffee. So, Well, thank you very much for talking with me this morning. 
Maybe next time I talk to you, I'll have a book ready to come out. Yes. Oh, and, and you do have to say hi to my mom because my mom is like, my, she, she's an obsessive listener. This is like how she knows about my life. Hi, Kathy. I love you. See, isn't that nice? It's I'm always telling Sassy that you're like my mom's like, well, how is Sassy? Because I worry about her, and I'm like, you don't need to worry about Sassy. And she oh, says, I, I never, <laughs> I never have a problem with mothers mothering. Like, there that you is go. My favorite. She can adopt me and be my my mothering mother as well. I don't have ever have enough mothering. There you go, mom. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you have a great day today. You too. All right. Thank bye. you all for listening in. Take care. Bye-bye. Ferdinand, say bye. Bye, Ferdy. <laughs> He's like, wait.